The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. Glad to have you here. As always, please subscribe to the show. New episodes every week. Subscribe. Coming out of the pandemic, teen stress levels are at a all-time high. What can you do about it, though? Stress is stress, right? Well, stress is something you can measure. Our guest today is Dr. Stuart Schenkner, a neuroscientist who has done this work for the last four decades. Through his work, he has gained a great understanding about stress, the brain chemistry behind it, and what you can do to provide the right support. You can learn more about Dr. Stuart Schenkner's work by going to www.self-reg.ca for Canada. I got a lot out of this conversation. I think you're going to also. Let's check it out. I have never seen what I'm seeing today. And uh, this is as true of the US as it is of Canada. We are seeing an anxiety epidemic in teens um, where we think at least half of all teenagers are struggling with anxiety. Uh, And this can show up in all different kinds of ways. It can show up in behavior problems. It can show up in learning problems but it can also show up in physical health problems and mostly in mental health problems. And so what we're trying to do now is how do we help them? How do we help the kids? How do we help youth? How do we help parents and educators uh, deal with what is in fact a crisis? Um, And the good news is there are ways that we can deal with this. Mm. Well, you can see the obvious signs, like a young person is stressed out, like if they're you know, starting to smoke a lot of weed or they're skipping school or whatever. But are there any less obvious signs that maybe parents could look for before they get to that point? Oh, that's a terrific question. So uh, what's going on here is systems deep inside the brain have gone, uh, they're out of whack, they're out of balance, they're in a state that we call dysregulated. And they give us all kinds of really subtle signs of when this is happening. So here's a a really interesting one. The human voice changes when we are under stress. The pitch, the tone of voice goes up. It goes up to, uh, we measure this in terms of something called kilohertz. Uh, So parents can actually hear when their kid is overstressed. Uh, or you can see it regardless of, you know, before the child says anything, their face becomes paler, uh, their back of their hands become paler, uh, their uh, pupils of their eyes become dilated. There are all these little tiny signs that we teach parents or teachers that tell us not just, you know, like the obvious signs where the kid's having a meltdown or the kid's in avoidance or 
the examples you just gave, where the kid is, you know, uh, looking for relief with weed or with, uh, you know, nonstop gaming or, uh, or you know, other forms of media. Um, but we can see well in advance of, you know, when the crisis is happening, we're getting all kinds of signs. Can I just mention one last thing, Bobby? Go ahead. One of the big uh, discoveries that we've made in neuroscience is that there's this connection between our brain and the kid's brain. And it's called the interbrain. It goes from my limbic system to the kid's limbic system. So this is, we, we explain this as a sort of like a Bluetooth connection between our two brains. Hmm. And you can actually feel, physically feel when a kid's in distress. However, you have to be calm yourself. You have to be in that state where this, this interbrain connection is working. And the thing that turns it off, the thing that blocks it, is when we ourselves, whether we're a parent or a teacher, when we're overstressed. So if we can, if we can get grounded ourselves, uh, not be angry, not be scared, not be agitated, just get calm, we can feel what's going on inside the kid. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot on the show where kids can sense how you're feeling. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, body language says so much. And um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's kind of a scary thing in a way because then there's no hiding. Like you could physically right. be saying something, but then if your body language isn't saying it, then you're not saying it. I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so what we say, Bobby, is, um, you know, what that kid hears is your limbic system. Mm -hmm. If your limbic system is, is relaxed, calm, that's what the kid feels. If your limbic system is aroused, that's also what the kid feels. So it really doesn't matter what the words are that are coming out of your mouth. If inside you're all, you know, you're all bottled up. So you well, got to be calm yourself. Energy can be infectious. Yes. Too, like the people around you. Yes. That, that's like a real thing. And that's why panic is a real thing. can spread so quick. And Can I say something about that, Bobby? Go ahead. Okay. So one of the, uh, where we started, where you and I started today is, um, okay, fine. We know that kids are overstressed. Well, that's, that's, that's obvious. And there's a lot mm -hmm. going on in their lives. Uh, and you also made the point quite right from our uh from the science point of view that they're turning to things like weed or, or pornography or or video games um so our scientific question is why why are they doing that and the reason is the definition of stress and there are all different kinds of stress is anything that requires us to burn energy in order to deal with the stress. That makes me think about how you have emotional stress, but you also yeah, have exactly. physical stress. Exactly, and... great. Okay, so we have five domains of stress that we've, uh, we, we, we did a study on that and we had 660. And we broke them down into five groups, physical, emotional, cognitive, social, and something called pro-social. Okay, so 
uh, what the kid is doing, because they're burning so much energy on their stress, they're, they're looking for a shot of dopamine. Dopamine, it's this magical neurohormone that gives you a bit of a buzz, gives it, keeps you going. Mm -hmm. The problem is dopamine does not turn off stress. We have a stress response system deep in our brain. So what's happened is the kid can keep themselves going. Uh, and, uh, you can keep yourself going with a caffeine drink. There's all kinds of ways to keep going, but you're still over stressed. So that raises a real interesting question for us. What turns off the stress mechanism? And we know the answer. And the answer is something called oxytocin. And what oxytocin does, among other things, is it turns off the stress response at its heart. Okay, so how does a kid, how do we trigger oxytocin as opposed to dopamine? How do we trigger that in a kid? Well, one of the best ways is through the skin. We have, we have little, what are called receptors in our skin that when we touch it um, gently, stroke it gently, it triggers oxytocin, it calms us down, turns off the stress. But here's something that'll blow your mind, Bobby. Mm. We now know hearing is also a form of touch. Interesting. So what we're doing is we are caressing the eardrum with sound waves. And if we speak to a kid who's overstressed in a gentle, soothing voice, guess what? It triggers oxytocin. So, so the science has given us all kinds of clues now, what's going on here, what we can do about it. I think when your child is acting out, it's yeah. easy or maybe even instinctual to go into punitive mode. Yeah. But I assume that's not the right approach. Is there a better lens to look at it from? Or what could you yeah. advise parents there? Well, so as a culture, that's where we go. Um, you know, and we've all been raised, you know, spared the rod and spoiled the child. But now we have a, a ton of uh, research, like literally a ton telling us that um, this has long term, this does long term harm to the kid. It may scare them into compliance, into freezing. But underneath, if you could look underneath, you know, look underneath the hood, what you'd see is that that kid is in a state of what's called cognitive hyperarousal. Their brain is burning like crazy. So what can parents do then? Or what is the, the right approach to go from there? Okay. So the very first thing you have to do is called reframing. And what we have our parents do is you ask yourself when the kid is whatever it is, you gave the example before the kid is acting out or uh, maybe the kid is totally withdrawn. You ask yourself why and why now? And what we wanna do is we wanna ask ourselves, is this a misbehavior or is it a stress behavior? Misbehavior means the kid's doing it on purpose. The kid knows what he's doing. It's intentional. He's trying to get away with it. Mm. Stress behavior means it's a behavior caused by systems deep inside the brain that have become hyper-aroused. And the kid doesn't really know what he's doing. And if we punish a child for a stress behavior, what we're doing is we're taking that stress and doubling it. So, so we learn what are the signs in my kid 
when it's stress behavior. And then we go to step two and we ask ourselves, what are the stresses? And we use exactly what you said a second ago. We ask ourselves, is it a physical stress? Is it emotional? Is it cognitive? By cognitive stress, we mean, you know, how are the kids making sense of the world? Is he misappraising? Is he, is he, is he distorting things? Um, we look at social stress and for youth, unfortunately, this is pretty much number one. And yeah. we look and we look at pro-social. And what we've found in our own work is it's never just one stress, even if you think it is, and it's probably all five. So that leads you to the next step. How do I reduce the stress? Okay, so maybe you know you've read there are things like uh there are things like yoga or exercise or music. Those are all really good. But remember what I said a second ago, that nature designed us to have our stress turned off by somebody else, to have our stress turned off by a parent or by a teacher, by an adult. So we turn off stress by making sure that that connection between us is operating making sure that our interbrain, that our two limbic systems are talking to each other. And we only do that if we're soothing. We only do that if we're calm. And that leads me to step four. We want the kid to be calm. And what we are seeing today is a generation that don't know what calmness feels like. So we get them calm. And calm doesn't mean quiet. Calm means that that mind is quiet as well as the mouth and that enables the kid to get to step five which is called restoration restoration is a bit of magic restoration refers to a, a biological system replacing all that energy that you've used up restoration of social connection restoration of our relationship my relationship as a parent with my kid what we are seeing today, I mentioned, you know, like this ep epidemic that we're seeing, it's really a lack of restoration epidemic. We've got a generation of kids running on empty. And when a kid runs on empty, you're going to have problems of one sort or another. It makes me think about a lot of different things of when you're talking about being quiet, but being calm is different or feeling it in your body is different. Do you think society is kind of geared towards keeping us stressed out? Like we um, work and then we're looking for a dopamine rush and then we're going online to do some online shopping. Can I give you a real complicated answer? Sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that, that's the answer. Okay. Uh -huh. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. It's just there's so much societal pressure to have like, you know, yeah. I want to have a house, a car, nice clothes, all these things. And especially here in the Northwest, it's just expensive to get by. So you always feel a little under the thumb of capitalism sometimes. Yeah. And then you're seeing all these images. You know, one of the things we look at pretty carefully is something called the hook model. I can't remember if I mentioned this to you. I think we talked about it. Yeah. There's a real interesting book by a guy called Neri Yaw called Hooked. And basically what it is, is um, back in the 1970s, scientists, psychologists were studying how can we trigger dopamine in rats? 
and they came up with a bunch of methods. It turns out it's not very hard to trigger dopamine. And they're probably the most important study that was done in the 20th century was they gave rats two feeding stations, one where they could trigger dopamine in themselves and the other one where they could get food, uh, food and water. And what they found was the rats got stuck on the dopamine trigger and would stay there even if the food and water was right beside them and kept on pushing the button until they died from lack of food and water. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, now what's happened is uh, modern businesses have studied the methods. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you do something like, you know, take some of these games that, that you can get hooked on. They're really just uh, designed to trigger dopamine because the game itself is stupid. Um, but what's pushing you, the reason you get hooked is the triggers. And the triggers can be variable rewards, all these things that we teach in psych. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, if, uh, if you know, you're a parent and you're listening to you and me and you're wondering, well, um, you know, is this hurting my kid? Obviously, not always, um, you know, especially, uh, especially in moderation. But ask yourself real simple. A real simple question. How's your kid when you turn off the machine? Was he nice and calm and quiet? Did he want to help out around the house? Or did you have a bloody mess on your hands as you tried to get it all, you know, to come and eat dinner? Um, so remember your very first question, uh, you know, what are the signs? That's a pretty good sign right there. My key takeaways from this conversation are awareness about stress. Yes. It means is important. Regulating yourself makes a huge difference. I'm sure yes. we could get into that really deep, but self-regulation and yeah. just a positive connection with your child and community. So for my closing words, I'm gonna pick up on what you just said. Uh, I mentioned at the outset, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen thousands and thousands of kids, thousands and thousands of families. And in all that time and all that work, I have never seen a bad kid. There isn't such a thing. There are kids that are overstressed and don't know how to handle it. But when we can get on top of this, we can change that child's trajectory. And we can find ourselves uh, with that connection restored that you just mentioned. And a child who's going to thrive, a child who's going to just wake up in the morning and be raring to go. And that's tremendously hopeful for every single parent. Great words to end on. Thank you for being here, Stuart. You're welcome, Bobby. Keep it up. Thank you, Dr. Stuart Schenkner. Valuable insights. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>